where could I go but to the Lord? Amen. Amen. What a great song and a great truth, uh, a great reminder. Uh, so praise the Lord. I appreciate that, ladies, and uh, what a special, special thing. All right, Daniel chapter 3, Daniel chapter 3, and uh, we're going to finish up Daniel chapter 3 tonight, and we're looking at God's law versus the world's law, and uh, we were, I was talking to Brother Brad, he we got kind of mixed up on the, the titles this morning, and so he let the cat out of the bag a little early, uh, but that's okay. We're, we're not really trying to hide anything, uh, but uh, we're going to be looking at, talking about what we preached on this morning, but also looking at uh, Nebuchadnezzar's response uh, to uh, the miracle of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, uh, being unharmed in the midst of the fiery furnace, and uh, so we're going to take, uh, take a look at that. And so we're going to go ahead and read the text right now. So if uh, you can, physically able, go ahead and stand with me in reverence to the Word of God. Daniel chapter 3. Uh, we're going to start there with verse 26. I think the story should, be, should still be fresh on our minds um, as far as the uh, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego being cast in the fiery furnace. And um, uh, they were unharmed. And we see Nebuchadnezzar's response to all of this there, beginning in verse 26. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, came forth of the midst uh, of the fire. And the princes, the governors, and captains, the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was a hair of their head singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. They didn't even smell like fire. Uh, complete, completely untouched. Then, verse 28, Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has set his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own. Now remember the decree that was given by Nebuchadnezzar, uh, that uh, they everyone had to bow down to this idol, and they wouldn't do it. And now Nebuchadnezzar, he's uh, 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 going back on that in a good way. Verse 29 says, Therefore, Nebuchadnezzar, therefore I make a decree that every people, nation, and language uh, would speak any... Uh, Speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made a dunghill, because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Father, we ask your blessing upon the preaching, teaching of the word of God tonight. Father, help us to get a hold of some things. And Father, we touched on this even last Sunday night. I know sometimes it seems like that uh, things are out of control and Father, that uh, it's all hopeless, uh, but Lord, here again we see tonight that you control it all. And uh, Father, that even this madman here, Lord, that uh, demanded to be worshipped and built an image some 90 foot tall uh, out of gold, uh, but yet, Lord, in the end, he would see himself who the true God of heaven is. And so, Father, we know that you control these things uh, then, and you control them now, so, Father, I hope this uh, message will be an encouragement to us all here tonight. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray, amen and amen. All right, you can go ahead and be seated. You know, this morning we saw these three young men faithful all the way, not just to the fire, but through the fire as well. 
And they chose to, to follow God's way instead of the king's way uh, when it came to worshiping only God. And we talked about how they wouldn't retreat, they wouldn't give in, they didn't back up, they didn't shy away. Uh, they stood firm in their convictions. And again, it's amazing to me that these were, I believe, very young men. And they stood firm in their convictions. And then God, in a miraculous way, rescued them from really a madman's wrath, but, but certainly from a fiery furnace. And uh, we saw there that they were completely untouched. Now, our focus tonight is, is really on these remaining verses that we just read. Uh, and as I made mention a while ago, we noticed that, that Nebuchadnezzar says, you know, after seeing these wonderful things, in other words, he's learning that, that his law that he had passed down, his decree that he had passed down, it had no chance against the law of God. You know, because that's what happened. It came head to head. Uh, and, of course, God won. And, and I'm afraid that these are some things that, that a lot of people, many today, uh, haven't learned yet. That God's law always wins out. Now, unless they get their hearts right, someday they're going to find out the hard way that God's law always wins. Amen? You know, there's, there's a lot of leaders, I believe, now dead and, and uh, separated from God forever. They know now uh, that God's law always wins. Um, this is something that our, I think our country once knew but has forgotten. Uh, and if the Lord tarries, I believe we're going to be reminded in a way that's not going to be too pleasant that God's law still stands, no matter how man may feel. America can make all these stupid laws they want, and, you know, America's been making some stupid laws even back in the early 1900s, but God's law still stands. It's still right. So man's law, we need to understand, cannot stand up to God's law I just want to look at a few things tonight as we kind of break this down a little bit. And so, number one, we see the law of Babylon challenged. And what I mean by that, this was the law of Nebuchadnezzar. And if we know anything about history uh, in those days, and not just Nebuchadnezzar, but certainly, probably, you know, he's the one that sticks out a lot in our minds. Nebuchadnezzar was one of the, the most powerful uh, leaders in history. And he ruled all the way from, from India uh, all the way down into Ethiopia, uh, and as far as world rulers goes, he, he's up there among the greatest, and I don't mean the greatest in a good way, but just simply as far as total power. And in those days, uh, uh, a leader in that position, a, a, uh, a king like that, his word was law. I mean, uh, absolute conformity to his law was commanded, and it was expected. Once it was said, it was a done deal. And that was Nebuchadnezzar. Now, we understand some things today because the Bible teaches and, and uh, you know, uh, Christians are to obey the laws of the world even, the government. In First Peter chapter 2, and we won't turn there for time's sake, but in verses 13 through 15, teaches us that these are laws uh, in the world for our good. In other words, it's God's will that we have leaders. It's God's will even for government. Romans chapter 13, you can go there and read it later, uh, actually tells us that when we resist uh, those that are put, put in authority over us, that oftentimes we can be resisting God himself. And it doesn't necessarily mean that the people in government are even living for God or, or doing the, the right things per se, but we need to understand as Christians, we're not talking about being lawless. 
We're not talking about uh, being in rebellion uh, to things as far as uh, rules and those types of things. Uh, matter of fact, we this doesn't just go with uh, with uh, government law, but but really would include anybody that has rule over us in any area of our life. It could be a school teacher, um, it could be your boss, or. Or, or what have you, the Bible teaches that we're to submit to certain types of authority. You know, and, and I think that's one problem that we see for young people today is that really they're being taught to resist authority. They're being taught to question uh, things, and, and I don't think that that's good. So we understand that Christians are, <clears throat> are to obey uh, the laws of the world, and I believe Scripture backs that up. But the laws of the world, they're not always the laws of God. And the laws of God, although there's a lot of laws in the world that maybe they're not immoral, they're, you know, they're not necessarily bad, but they're not of spiritual significance. And there are some laws that, that go against God, and we'll talk about that here in just a moment. What I'm saying is, is that no matter how hard man tries, this goes all the way back to uh, uh, the Tower of Babel. Uh, no matter how hard try, no matter how hard man tries to govern himself, he he can't. <laughs> you know, there's you know we we, we make laws, and then we make other laws, and you know you know, and, and it just gets worse. But now the laws of God, those are different. Um, the laws of God, these are what we might even call absolute laws, with absolutely no error. These are laws that are perfect. These are laws that that cannot be improved on. These are laws that cannot be made better. In other words, all of creation, everything that exists that we know and don't even know that exists, listen, they're all controlled by the laws of God. Man is certainly subject to God's law. Even the animals are subject to God's law. The wind and the waves and the, the rain, all subject plants. Everything that exists is all subject to God's laws. And to resist these laws is to really resist God Himself. And there's no way to go around these laws. There's no way to ignore these laws. People try and do, uh, but these laws will never go away. You know, they don't evolve. They don't grow outdated, amen? And of course we know man has broken a lot of the laws of God, uh, which is why man needs a Savior, amen? Why we need to be saved. But then we come to the idea, we understand that God has ordained the laws, the the governments of the world, and we understand the laws of God, but when the law of the world must be challenged, because that's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. They challenged the law of the world. And so these three young men, they, they had to make a decision when faced with following the law uh, of the most powerful empire at that time, Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, or following the law of God. That's what they were challenged with. And we talked about that this morning. The law of Nebuchadnezzar said, bow down to this 90-foot idol made of gold, but the law of God said, do not worship idols of any kind. So it was pretty clear what the situation was. So we learn a law uh, contrary to God's law. Listen, listen, because we haven't done this. 
When we learn a law contrary to God's law, it has to be challenged. Amen. Has to be challenged. Matter of fact, it must be challenged. In Acts chapter 5, verse 29, Peter said, What? We ought to obey God rather than man. In other words, when man disagrees with God, we follow after God. Uh, When a law breaks Scripture, we have an obligation to God to challenge it, to resist it, uh, just as these three young men did as well. You know, the reason the world is now dictating to Christians what they can and cannot do is because the world goes unchallenged by believers. (laughs) There's no resistance, you know. Alcohol, abortion, all of those gone unchallenged. There's no resistance. And some will say, well, pastor, you know, hey, we're outnumbered. No more than Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were outnumbered. (laughs) Amen? Yeah. Praise the Lord. Listen. Got five five billion votes over here, says yay. God says nay. Guess who the majority is? God. (laughs) God's the majority. Amen. It doesn't matter how many people think or what have you. Hey, listen, God is the majority. He always wins. His laws always win out. And when we get a hold of that, listen, God will protect you every time you put him first. We read there in verse 27 how these men came out unscathed. They were absolutely untouched. And because they stood up for God. So number one, we see the laws of, of Babylon challenged. Then we see the law of Babylon actually changed. Oh, you know, we think about, you know, the alcohol industry, you know, the pot deal going on, uh, homosexuality, gender neutrality, you know, some of these uh, things that, that government are coming in and intruding and trying to force us to do things. And we wonder what we're going to do. Hey, we resist them. We stand on the word of God. The law of Babylon was changed. Look at verse 29. So Nebuchadnezzar, you know, remember the, the verses before what we looked at this morning. You know, he made this big decree. Now he's backing up. He says, therefore I make a decree that every people, nation, language, which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made a dunghill because there is no other God that can deliver after this sword. So the the law of Babylon, it changed. And boy, when you understand how how things were in those days, and, and that a king had absolute power, and that a king's word was absolute law, that's really saying a lot what happened there. I mean, they, 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 they accomplished a great deal in a matter of minutes. Because his law, Nebuchadnezzar's, it would be it would be universally accepted. It would be universally heeded to. No, you know, knowing the severe punishment uh, of of disobeying the king's law, you know, would would you know that that was certainly uh, something that was held over the head of all that, that were there in that empire. And what I'm saying is, this was just something that the ordinary man would say, "You you can't do that. You can't do. Hey, what makes you think you can change all that? Well, again, God's the majority." God rules. Maybe he's just looking for some faithful people, amen? But the only way to change uh, laws against God, again, is to resist those laws. 
And I'm not talking about, you know, rebellion here, anarchy. I'm just talking about putting God first. To honor and fear God more than, than honoring and fearing the world. Isn't it a shame that even some believers have been so deceived that they're more worried about what the world thinks instead of what God thinks? We're, we're, we're more scared of what this world will do or not do for us than we are that what God might do or not do for us. Where does that come from? It's sad to hear. It's sad to see. And so the only way to change laws against God is to resist those laws, to honor and fear God. This morning we learned about the, the, the idol of today. What's the idol of today? Materialism. And it certainly influenced even a lot of believers' way of thinking and seeing things. And instead of saying, I'll give up money to be at church, we're saying, I'm going to give up church for money. I cringe when somebody says, pray, pray, pray for a preacher, I get this job. I almost cringe. And these three men, they resisted all the way to the fire, they resisted all the way through the fire, and the law of the king changed. What an amazing thing. Boy, just things begin to happen when you put God first. Instead of them, listen to this, instead of them coming around to the world's way of thinking, the world came around to God's way of thinking. Hey, man, that's revival. If Christians would quit buying into the world's laws and habits and culture that defy God's law, the laws of the world would change for the better. You guys have heard me say it in many different ways. And, you know, I believe if, if Christians would really start living for the Lord and really put God first, we could turn this country around in a matter of months. A matter of months. Maybe even sooner. And what's sad about that is there's no reason why we shouldn't do it other than we just don't want to. Lack of faith. So Christians, you know, you know, we're buying into the world's laws that defy God's laws. We don't resist them. As a matter of fact, many Christians even indulge in them themselves. And maybe it's out of ignorance. Maybe there's not enough preaching on these types of things. We break the law of forsaking church in the name of family and convenience and expediency. We break the law of tithing and giving in the name of making a better life for ourselves. Amen. Breaking the laws. We've been talking a lot about parents provoking their children to wrath. We provoke our children to wrath by breaking the law, by neglecting their spiritual training. While we try to keep up with the Joneses. We give our allegiance to the movie and alcohol industry. We're not rejecting it. Marriage laws are broken. Laws of morality are broken. You know, we just need some people like these young men that'll change it by resisting it and trusting God. You know, the sad fact of the matter is the world has the upper hand right now, but it shouldn't, and it don't have to, but it does. The world's got the upper hand because we're we're retreating instead of honoring God when given the chance. We, we run and go stick our head in the sand for some reason. I don't know why. We're retreating instead of, instead of, instead of resisting. And I truly believe that until we get a hold of these types of things, the laws against, uh, you know, the, 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 the things that were, these laws that are against God, the things that go against what God wants in our lives, they're going to continue on. Again, it's just, uh, it's a getting a hold of something and trusting God and, 
And, you know, maybe this sounds fanatical. I don't know, but, but it, you know, I'm just reading the Scriptures. You see them just like me. Amen? So God's law was uh, challenged, and then it was changed. And then finally, God's law commended even. You know, it wasn't like Nebuchadnezzar had his arm behind his back, and he said, okay, uncle, I give, I give. No, he, he not only said, hey, we're going to change this, but he even commended it. He actually did that in verse 28. It says, Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has set his angel. Of course, we know that to be the Lord Jesus Christ and delivered his servants that trusted him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own. You see, what we don't understand is that, that God's law is eternal. You know... Um, you know, we, we, we may look at things, in other words, as human beings, we, we have to figure things out. You know, we might even look at our own laws, and, you know, we, we have to update laws, or, you know, we're thinking, okay, well, we're, we're growing, we're learning as mankind, and, you know, so they say, but, but you understand what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is God's laws never had a starting point. Think about that for just a second. The laws of God always have been. Does that make sense? They never started and they'll never stop. You know, that's pretty hard to get a hold of, isn't it? But what I'm saying is, is God, God never had to try to figure a bunch of stuff out and then make these laws. Listen, the Bible teaches that whatever that is, is because God put it there. <laughs> and His laws are no different. The laws of God have existed as long as God has, and that's been forever. Forever that way and forever this way. And so again, I think that's something that Nebuchadnezzar, although I don't think he was accepting God as his Savior, but he was acknowledging that that this was, he was commending this. He was saying, this is the God. This is the God of all gods. He was acknowledging this as best as he could, uh, as a man could there in verse 28. You know, God's law, when we think about this, we're almost done. Is God's law can, can override even the law of nature itself. And I say that because, um, you know, we may look at challenging some of the things, you know, uh, that are going on in the world. And in the back of our mind, we say, boy, that's never going to happen. But listen, God's on our side. And he can do the miraculous. I mean, let's, let's think about what he did there, even over the nature of fire. And, you know, we read there in verse 27, and, and we get about halfway down through there. It says, upon whose bodies the fire had no power. You know, I mean, look at the, the extent of this, though. Nor was a hair of their head singed. Remember, we read this morning, the fire was so hot that the men that took them there were killed by this fire. Yet miraculously, because God is the, the can override even the laws of nature, not even a hair on their head was sins, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed. They didn't even smell like fire. They didn't even smell like smoke. So I'm trying to tell you that when God's people get serious about the laws of God, when we get serious about serving the Lord the way that we should through the Bible... Hey, listen, God can do anything, amen, anything, even in today's age. I believe he can turn a law. I believe he can turn a man's heart. 
Uh, I believe that where whoever that may be, I believe that God can change, but I want to tell you something that starts when God's people get real with God. Amen. Instead of, you know, living like a bunch of scaredy cats, almost embarrassed to speak up for God. I don't know about you, but I, I'm just kind of getting tired of the devil winning, aren't you? Especially when we have the majority. We got God on our side. And I'm trying to get you to understand, God will do miracles for us. Um, certainly when we commend His laws and, and, you know, when we see those above all other laws. But here's the thing. And I don't mean a literal furnace, could be, but, but are we willing to go all the way to the furnace to show that? You know, when I think about things today and some of the things that are going on in the last few years, you know, I'm just wondering if God's just sitting back and going, I wonder I wonder when they're going to get it. I wonder when they're going to step up. I wonder when they're going to realize to quit playing games with me. I wonder when they're going to realize they really need to put me first. I wonder when they're going to realize these, these little flimsy, silly excuses why they can't do this and they can't do that. Hey, listen, I think God's just sitting back and He's waiting. He's waiting. He's waiting to say, you know, do they really believe? Are they willing to not just, you know, to go to the fire and, and through the fire? Is it really worth I mean, these men, they did. I mean, their convictions were so strong that they said, hey, just toss us in. We believe God's going to protect us, and He did. But He said, even if we don't, we're still standing on the truth. As I said this morning, some of us, we, hey, we'll forsake the laws of God, you know, for a lot less than that. <laughs> Here's some men that said, hey, I, I'm not going to cave to the culture so much so that I'll die doing it. Some of us will cave to the culture if the devil waves something shiny in front of us. Yeah, amen. Right? So, hey, I don't know about you, but we could be living in those times where we just got to make some stands. You know, we, hey, call it fanatical, call it, I don't know what you want to call it. I just call it good old Christian living, amen. I call it biblical decisions, I call it putting God first. When you put God first, you win every time. Every time. Even in this world. So let's all stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed as our pianist comes. And I'm going to let you get done a little early tonight and so you can get on home. And... But you know, we ought to come to this altar tonight and pray. You know, I, there, there, there's a lot of things I don't like about, you know, you know I've mentioned alcohol, abortion, you know, Legalization of marijuana, uh, homosexuality, you know, it, it's, it's frustrating. And the reason it's so frustrating is I, I don't think that it had to be that way. We've got a country that was founded on the truth of God. We've got a country that would have never put up with those things 150, 200 years ago. Never would have put up with them. And we don't have to put up with them today. Maybe we just need to come and pray and say, Lord, you know, I can't control what everybody else does and what they think, but I can sure start with myself. You know, as I've been saying a lot, you know, if there's some little things in our life we're struggling with, we just need to come take care of those tonight. Say, Lord, help me. Help me to do my part just by, you know, if I want to make America better, I can start tonight by making God's law my law in every aspect of my life. Father, as we give this invitation, I hope and pray, dear God, that you'll speak to hearts. Lord, that we might come and examine ourselves. 
Father, are we part of the problem? Are we are we just kind of drifting along? Are we just kind of hit and miss? Are we just kind of not really getting a hold of things? Do we have a zeal? Father, do we have passion? Oh, God, help us. Help us, help us, help us, Lord. To live as these young men that we read about here in our scriptures did. Father, when we're come to that moment in time where we have to make those hard decisions that, Lord, even facing the fire, we'll make the right decisions. And Lord, may you use us in a mighty and powerful way as you use these men. And, uh, Father, without that fiery furnace and without them going through that, we wouldn't have this wonderful truth here before us tonight. So, Father, help us to live it. Help us to understand it, to get a hold of it. Father, we sure need you. Help us, Lord. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen and amen. The invitation's